Are you ready for the word tonight? Go to your Bibles to the book of Exodus 32, verse 1. Exodus 32, verse 1. Just for a few moments. Exodus 32, verse number 1. An Old Testament story of the people of God. Uh, Exodus 32, verse number 1. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed the coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come and let us make gods that should go before us, For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what had become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off your golden earrings, which is in the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings, which was in their ears, and brought it to them, and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hands, and fashioned it with an engraving tool, and made a calf. And they said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you up from the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron proclaimed a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Then they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat, drink, and rose early to play. The Lord said to Moses, Get down, for your people whom whom you brought up from the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. Amen. Look at verse number 6. Then they rose early the next morning. They offered burnt offerings, brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat, drink, and rose up to play. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather in your house. We pray that your word would go forth. It would pierce our hearts tonight. Let it become like the burning bush. Let it burn within our hearts tonight. We pray that we would be forever changed. We pray that we just wouldn't receive information, but that it would be transformative in our heart and our souls tonight, that we would be found faithful, but not just faithful, but we would be found fruitful. Let this word be applicable to our lives in Jesus' name. Now, if there's something you need to say to us, Lord, open your word and say it to us. Say it to us, Lord. Uncover, uncover our eyes, uncover our spirit. Speak, Lord, your servant hears. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening tonight. Speak, Lord, we're hungry to receive from you. We come to the table of the Lord tonight. We pray that the word of God would feed our souls. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. The Old Testament story of the golden calf. Now, I'm sure you've read this story before because I've read it many times. And uh, I read stories like this and I often wonder to myself, how in the world can a people who is so blessed a people who is so favored of the Lord, a people who God has brought through and uh, guided them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, how in the world can you just fall for something like this? How can you make yourself a golden calf and worship a golden calf when you know it was the Lord that brought you up from the land of Egypt? And yet, when you read stories like this, uh, it really is a true representation of ourselves, isn't it? I mean, we are a blessed people. God's been gracious to us. God has blessed us. God's been with us. Uh, We've experienced salvation. We've experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We've had encounters with the Lord before. We've sensed His presence before. We've, We've seen God's hand in our family. We've seen God's hand in our finances. We look back on our life and we've seen the providence of God in our life. And yet there are times in our life we are like these people. We make for ourselves golden images. We make for ourselves gods 
that we worship. Now, we would never, so to speak, worship a golden image. If I brought a golden image in here, you would never bow to it. And, uh, but we do have gods in our life that we give attention to. We have gods in our life that we have set up idols in our hearts and we give full attention to it. We devote ourselves to it. and We may not even know that we do it. And sometimes I believe as we pray, we pray with idols in our heart. We want one thing, but we're asking God's will in another thing. You've got to be careful that when you come to the Lord and pray, that you don't pray with an idol in your heart. That when you come to the Lord, you're sincerely asking the Lord, this is your will, and I want your will to be made manifested in my life. So this Old Testament story has great significance tonight. Even though it's a familiar passage, of uh, a familiar narrative tonight, it, it holds great truth, and we're going to look at it just for a few moments. Uh, the people of God, even though they experienced the blessing of God, and even though God was with them, it seems to me that when you read the book of Exodus, that any time God put a demand on his people, they, they, they rebelled. They wanted God's blessing, they wanted God's favor, they wanted, God's, uh, they wanted his glory, but any time God demanded something of them, that's when they become rebellious, that's when they become standoffish. And isn't that just like us today? We want the presence of God. We want the blessing of God. We want the goosebumps. But anytime God demands something of us, we want to just kind of back off. We don't want to be that committed. We certainly don't want to be that radical if he's asking us to be so committed. And, and, and God, God justified them. God, God was justified in extending his hand of mercy or his hand of wrath to them, but his his hand of wrath was stayed from them because he is merciful. And that is why the writer in the book of Psalms says that his mercy is new every morning. That in spite of what we do, his mercy is still extended to us every day. Aren't you glad for that? Even when you should have done, even when his hand of wrath should be extended to you, it stayed away from you because of his mercy. Now what I want you to see in chapter 32 I want you to see that these people, I want you to see what's happening. These people are at the foot of the mountain, and Aaron is there, and Aaron is like the assistant pastor. Moses is the pastor, so to speak. Moses is in a prayer meeting on top of the mountain with God. Moses is communing with God, and Aaron is with the children of Israel at the bottom of the mountain. And according to the scripture, Moses had been gone a long time. Moses has been in the mountain praying. He's been gone for a long time. And the people became worried. They became perplexed. Where is our pastor? Where is Moses? He's been gone all this time. And so they said to Aaron, his brother, you know, why don't you make us a god? Why don't you make us a god? Because we don't know what has become of Moses. Look at it. Verse number 1. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed his coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come and let us make gods, come let us make gods that should go before us, for as this Moses, this man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of us. Now what I want you to see and what the Holy Spirit spoke to me is verse number one. When the people saw that Moses' coming down from the mountain was delayed, they went to Aaron and came up with a plan. And sometimes in our own life, when we think God is delayed, you know, I've prayed about this thing, I've fasted, I've done all that I've known to do, and where is God? God is delayed. Sometimes when we feel as though God is delayed, 
we want to come up with an answer ourselves. We make our own gods to try to reason why God is not answering our request. When God's not moving as fast as you think God should move, when God's not answering those prayers that you've been praying for a long time, when God supposedly is delayed, we have a tendency to come up with our own gods. We, and sometimes our own intellect becomes a god. Sometimes we rationalize things so much to try to figure out why God is not doing what we've asked God to do. And even that becomes a God to us when we just simply need to trust God. And that's one of the hardest things for us to do is to trust God. C.S. Lewis said, when you can't trace God, you've got to trust God. And sometimes you can't trace God. You've got to trust God. And these people had a hard time trusting God because they looked at Moses as if he was a representation of God. And so he was delayed his coming, and they said to Aaron, come and let us make gods for ourselves. For this Moses, we don't know what's happened to us. We don't know what happened to Moses. Moses is on the mountain praying, and the people should have been praying, but the Bible says the people were playing. And there you have two choices in life. You're either praying or playing. Moses is praying on the mountain. At the foot of the mountain, the people were playing. The people were playing. Look at it. Exodus 32, verse 6. They rose up early in the morning. They offered burnt offerings. They offered peace offerings. And the people sat down. They ate. They drank. And they rose early to pray. The people were playing while the leader was praying. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to pray. We can't play. There's a time to play, but there's a time to pray. And these people missed an opportunity to pray. And when you miss an opportunity to pray, you will make gods unto yourself. A prayerless people is a people who make gods out of their own opinions. They make gods out of their own, uh, uh, out of their own reasoning. They don't trust God. And here is this group of people who decided not to pray but they decided to play, and as a result of that, they made their own gods. A prayerless people will make gods of themselves. A prayerless people will exalt themselves as gods. A prayerless people will exalt themselves as gods. A prayerless people will exalt themselves as gods. They were playing, not praying. Moses is praying, but the people were playing. They rose early to play. But yet Moses was on the mountain praying. And Moses in Exodus 24 verse 9, Moses goes to the mountain, he gets, he's praying, he receives the Ten Commandments from the Lord, and you know that Moses becomes frustrated with the Lord. Even the Lord is frustrated. The Bible says in Exodus 32 verse 7, the Lord is so frustrated that I want you to see what the Lord says. He says to Moses, I want you to get down there for your people, your people, whom you brought up from the land of Egypt, has corrupted themselves. You know, they're kind of, God and Moses is playing this game. You know, Moses, is, Moses eventually says, Lord, these are your people. And God says, no, these are your people. <laughs> and you see, God is saying, Moses, your people is corrupted. The people you brought up from the land of Egypt. And we know the story. It wasn't Moses that brought them up from the land of Egypt. It was God that brought them up from the land of Egypt. And yet they had corrupted themselves they had, they made themselves, they made themselves gods. And listen, church, when there, when there is prayerlessness in the church, we're going to make things gods. We're going to make ourselves God. When there is no prayer, but you know what prayer does? Prayer produces a dependency on God. It, re, it recognizes the sovereignty of God. 
It recognizes that God is king, that God is the ruler, that God is sovereign, not ourselves. When we pray, and when there is no prayer, we make things gods. Come and let us make gods. Moses, for this Moses, or Aaron, for this Moses, we don't know what have become of him. We have no idea what has become of him. He's been gone for too long. You see, you can't put a time limit on prayer. Moses is on the mountain communing with God. There wasn't a time limit. The people didn't know how to be patient because prayerlessness, prayerlessness produces an impatient people. See that? Prayerlessness produces impatient people. Prayerlessness produces impatient people. Because you know what they'll do, Brother Mike? When you're, when you're not praying, you get frustrated. When you pray a little bit and it's not working, and you pray a little bit and you're discouraged, but you're not lingering in prayer, you're not laboring in prayer, you're not being patient in prayer, then you will become, you will make gods of things that you can make sense of. And these people become impatient because prayerlessness produces impatient people. And when you become impatient, you make gods of things that you can touch, sense, and see, and feel. There's no, there's no trusting. There's no reliance upon the sovereignty of God because you want something that you can sense and touch and see and, and feel and communicate with. And you know what they did? They traded the God who brought them out of Egypt for something that they made. Why would you want to worship a God that you made instead of a God that made you? Why do you want to worship a God that you made instead of a God that made you? And the question is, as they said to Aaron, let us make ourselves gods to go before us. To go before us. We want a God who would go before us. You know, it was the ancient belief of the Jewish people that any time a tribe, a tribe would usually identify themselves with a god or gods. And usually tribes would have a banner that a captain would hold as they would go before, uh, uh, as they go into army or as they go into battle. There would be some sort of standard barrier that would hold a standard that would identify the tribe or the nation when they would go into battle or when they would uh, go into new territory. And so it's very common for a tribe or a nation or a community to have a standard barrier that would identify the group of people, but that would also identify the God that they worshipped. Because it was very polytheistic, they worshipped many gods back then, and so this particular group of people, which is the Jewish people, worship the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you know, the Lord, the Jehovah Nissi, is our banner. God says, I want to be your banner. I want to be your standard barrier. I want to go before you. I want to represent you. And the people said, let's make ourselves gods so it could go before us. It could represent us as we take this new territory. And that's what made God mad. God says, listen, you depended on me to brought you out of the land of Egypt, and now you want to depend upon your false gods so you can take your new territory? I was the one that brought you out of Egypt. Now you want your false gods to lead you into this new territory? I don't think so. I'm not going to be used like that. The God not only delivers us, 
But God demands something of us. He not only delivers us, but He demands something of us. What was God demanding? God, listen, the people knew that any time the pastor prayed, he usually came down with some kind of law or requirement. You, you read the Old Testament. Anytime Moses prayed, God would talk to Moses, and somehow Moses would write something down, and God would say, tell this to the people of God. And I'm sure that the people of God understood, listen, when Moses gets down from the mountain, he's going to tell us a list of things we cannot do. He's going to have some kind of requirement that we got to do. We're tired of doing this. We're tired of all the demands. We're tired of all the laws. Let us get up and play. Because the people of God failed to realize that the same God that delivered them is the same God that demands something of them. The same God that brought them out is the same God that wants to bring them into something. The same God that delivered them is the same God that demands something of them. Why did they make a God? You know why they made a God? They made a God because they wanted to create a God that they could control. They wanted to create a God that they could control. And isn't that what we do? If, we don't, if God begins to demand something of us, or God begins to put a demand on us, He delivers us, but He also demands something of us. And when God begins to do that in our own personal devotional life, sometimes we want to step back and say, that's too much. I don't like this God that demands something of us. And we have a tendency to create a God that we can control. That's what they did. They made a God that they can control. You know what they were saying in essence? Aaron... Make us a God, or make us gods that can go before us. We will determine what is right. We will determine what we want. We will determine how long we will stay. We will determine what's right for our children. We will determine what's right for our family. Because that's what happens when you create your own God. You want to control it. You know what, in essence, what they were doing? They were making themselves gods. That's what they were doing. They were making themselves gods. You know what's really sad about the story? The, very, the worst thing, the worst god you can make is yourself. That's the worst god you can make is yourself. You know why, that, you, know why you being God is bad? Can I break it down to you? Everybody say, break it down. You know why I think you... Making yourself God is bad because you don't know everything. I wish the church would just agree with me. I said, you don't know everything. You know why it's bad when you make yourself a God? Because you don't know everything. Your opinion is not always right. Your dreams are not always right. Your desires are not always right. Your wants is not always right. Your worship is not always right. Your theology is not always right. And when you make yourself as a God, you have the tendency to follow your dreams, your opinions, your desires, your theology, your wants, and everybody else is wrong. You need a God that's bigger than you. You need a God that's wiser than you. You need a God that knows more than you. You need a God that has a higher opinion of you. 
Your vision is too small to be God. Your understanding is too limited to be God. Your hands is too weak to be God. Your dreams is too selfish to be God. Your power is too finite to be God. You need a God who sees more, knows more, and understands more. Yet these people said, Aaron, make us a God. Make us a God, Aaron. We don't know what happened to our pastor. He's been in a prayer meeting too long. We want to play. We don't want to pray. They rose up early the next morning, offered offerings to God. You see how they straggled the fence? Verse number 5, they said to Aaron, well, you know, we'll make a feast to the Lord. Verse 5, we won't forget the God of Abraham, but yet we also want to do what we want to do. And isn't that how we straggle the fence? We'll give a little bit to this God, but since we're unsure of this God, we'll make our own God. We want to straggle the fence. Oh, we, we, we'll, we'll give a feast to the Lord. We won't forget about the, the God that brought us out, but we need another God to help us out. It's not that Christians don't believe that God is sovereign and God hears prayers and that God is God. It's just that our attitude, our behavior, our thinking, our conduct, our practices, our disciplines say another story. It tells another story. Tells another story. They made a God. And how did they make a God? Well, Aaron here, you know, and I don't understand why Aaron, Aaron just fell right into it. Aaron said, okay, okay. Why don't you just take verse number 2, chapter 32, verse 2. Just break off all the gold earrings that you have, and I want you to bring all your gold to me so I can mold it down and make your God to you. Get all your golden earrings. Now hold on here. They took their earrings, the gold from their ears, and they... Aaron melted it down and made a golden calf. Now, you know, uh, what's that old movie years ago when I was a child, The Ten Commandments? Who, 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 was, who, was, who, who is it? Okay, and do you remember in that movie they had the, you, at the foot of the mountain, they're all worshiping the golden calf, and you remember how big it was? That's probably not true. It's probably not true at all. The golden calf was probably something like this. I mean... Granted, they took the earrings from all these millions of Jews and they melted it down. So it wasn't going to be very big, but it was something they could, they could see, something they could touch, something they could visualize. So they took, Aaron took all of the gold, melted it down, and made a gold calf. And you know, I thought about this. Where did these people get the gold from? They got it from Egypt. Exodus chapter 12 tells us that Pharaoh said, you can take whatever is in your hand, take it with you, leave. They took the gold with them from Egypt. And isn't it amazing that they were prosperous? It was God who prospered them with the gold from Egypt. Would you agree with that? It was God who prospered them with the gold from Egypt. Where did they get the gold from? They got it from Egypt. Who gave it to him? God gave it to him. It was God who favored these people. They are former slaves. How does former slaves get gold? They're slaves. They are slaves in Egypt, but yet these slaves in Egypt leave Egypt with gold. Now that don't make sense, ladies and gentlemen. But it was God. It's God who gave them the gold. And you've got to ask the question, where do I get my position from? 
Where do I get my income from? Where do I get my favor from? It all comes from God. The writer of the New Testament said every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. It comes from God. God was the one who blessed them with the gold. The gold came from God. And you know what they did? They took what came from God and they made it their God. They took the gold that came from God and made it their God. They took the gold that God gave them and made it their God. And isn't that a picture of New Testament Christianity or 21st century Christianity? God blesses you with a job. You never see Him in church. They took the gold and made it their God. God blesses you with a new car so you can come to church, but you never see Him again because they took the gold and now it's a God to them. Somebody better say amen. They, they, they get blessed and favored, but now the gold is turned into a God. And that's exactly what we do. And you know what's so scary about it? We don't even see it. We don't even realize that we're taking the gold and making it into a God. We don't even realize that that's what we're doing, but actually, that's what we're doing. We're making the gold that God has given us, and we have worshipped it, worshipped it as God. It's interesting, Aaron said, Aaron said, bring me all of the gold that you have. They took all the earrings off, and the Bible says, I never saw this boy. I mean, I read this story over and over before. I never saw it. But I want you to see this. So verse number, verse number 2. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in your ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters. Bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which was in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hands. He received the gold from their hands. He received the gold from their hands. What, what's happening in this story is this. The people of God are discouraged because of verse 1. Verse number 1, why are they discouraged? Look at verse 1. They're discouraged because Moses delayed his coming. Where's Moses at? And to the children of Israel, Moses represented God. Why has God abandoned us? Where is God? Where is God's spokesmanship? Where is God? Where's Moses at? Why is we're all by ourselves? They're discouraged. And yet, verse number three, the Bible says. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which was in their ears and brought them to Aaron, verse 4, and he received the gold from their hand. He received the gold from their hand. Why are they discouraged? They're discouraged because Moses delayed his coming. He's gone. They don't know what happened to Moses. To, to the children of Israel, Moses represented God. So God must have abandoned us. But if, verse 4, if they would have just took the time to look at the gold in their hands, the gold in their hands would have reminded them that God is with them. 
that the only reason that they have gold in their hands, slaves don't have gold in their hands. If they would have just took a few moments and looked at the gold in their hands, it would have been a reminder that God was with them and God is still with them. And ladies and gentlemen, you may seem, it may seem like God is delayed, God is nowhere to be found, but can you just take a few moments and look at the blessing that's in your hands? Can you see how much you've been blessed? Isn't that enough to convince you that He's still with you? And even if He never gave you any gold, you know that He's with you. Look at your hands. Look at the gold in your hands. Let it remind you that He is still with you. And He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Look at your hands. In my seasons of doubt, look at the gold in your hands. My seasons of weariness, look, at, look what's in your hands. My seasons of wondering where God's at and does God hear me, look at your hands. Look at the gold in your hands. So these people brought the gold. Aaron took an engraving tool and made a golden calf. They received the gold from their hands, fashioned it with a tool, made a, a golden calf, and they said, this is your God, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Verse 5, so Aaron said, well, let's build an altar and proclaim. Say, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And so they rose early the next day and offered burnt offerings, peace offerings. The people sat down to eat, drink, and they rose early to play. You see, they worshipped and they played. Don't lose me. They worshipped, did they not? Verse 6, they offered burnt offerings, peace offerings. They worshipped. Look at Pastor Josh. Don't lose this. They worshipped. They played. But they did not pray. And that's, that's the modern church. We want to worship for three hours. But don't, don't, don't call prayer meeting. They worshipped. They played. But they never prayed. One person prayed and his name was Moses. Moses prayed. Moses prayed. If you study early church history in the first, second century of the early church, you read the early church fathers, modern day worship services is completely different than what they would ever perceived it would ever be. Modern day Protestant worship services, we sing for about 30 to 40 minutes, 15, 20 minutes of announcements, offering you know, other things, 40-minute sermon, 10-15 minute prayer at the end, and then you're gone. Special Sundays, we do baptisms and communions and some ritual things that we do throughout the year. That's practically what we do. But in the early church, worship was not 30 minutes of singing during the first part of the service. Singing was incorporated throughout the whole service. They might sing a song at the beginning or the end or the middle, but it was incorporated through the end. The whole service was worship. It, what, worship is not singing. It's a part of it, but it's, that's more to it. Prayer. 
was considered part of the service. Giving was considered, the homily was considered worship. All of it was integrated as worship, just not 30 minutes of singing off the wall, and we think that's worship. Worship is much more than that, church. And I think that we can become so ingrained in worship that we worship worship and we don't pray. These people worship. They gave their burnt offerings. They played. They didn't pray. And when you don't pray, you become impatient. When you don't pray, you get discouraged because of the delay. When you don't pray, you become frustrated because God has delayed. You don't pray, you become frustrated with the impatience of people and with God. When you don't pray, you begin to make other things as gods to try to figure out why God's not answering you. A praying people is a powerful people. A praying people, we have labored to pray, but we have not labored in prayer. We have struggled to pray, but have we struggled in prayer? We've wrestled to pray, but have we wrestled in prayer? There's a difference. There is a difference. We've labored to pray, but we've not labored in prayer. We've wrestled to pray, but we've never wrestled in prayer. We've struggled to pray, but we've never struggled in prayer. Look at your hands, folks. Look at the blessing that God's blessed you with. He's with you. 